1: Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert, layman Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. In this episode, we'll talk about closers, who's been good, who's been not so good, who's for real, who's not, and who will likely turn it around. We try and answer the question, which closers can I count on and how do I know?
2: But before we get to all of that, Alexander, how you doing? You know, not too bad. Um, It is quite nice here in D.C. and has been to kind of start out the week, which is, uh, you know, just always nice. So, uh, you know, baseball is an outside sport. I realize we always talk about the weather. Um... (laughs) Right. We do uh, every time. It's okay though, because the
1: last time it wasn't so nice in D.C. It was thundering. And as I was editing, I could hear that we could hear it. Uh, it was definitely uh, weathering there. So I'm glad that the weather I is
2: I bring this for you. up for a very particular reason. Um, over the weekend, it was <laughs> still not nice. And uh, we had a couple uh, Buoy Bay Sox games uh, get rained out. And I was planning on going to one mm-hmm. because I have this um, sinking feeling that um, some of the better players for uh, the Buoy Bay Sox are going to get promoted to A Norfolk soon. Mm. And they are going to be on the road for the next two weeks. Um, yeah, yeah you might miss i'm him. worried i'm not gonna be able to see adley uh so we'll see we gotta get out gotta go gotta go yeah, i'm busy for the <laughs> next two weekends anyway but uh you know as soon as uh, as soon as oh they're boy. back in town i'm really excited to go see them so
1: book it now make oh, sure yeah, you yeah, can no, get I'm, in I've,
2: I've got my eye on a, a wednesday game actually
1: ah <laughs> uh, nice uh nothing like midweek baseball oh, yeah. if you can get there uh, I love those summertime games. Uh, very lucky as a teacher to be able to have that time in the summer to be able to go and um, there's just something special about about like I think a midweek game. It, it brings me back to my my uh, adolescent days going to Paw Sox games as well. Uh, wrote a whole thing about that. You can find it on Pitcher List. Um, no need to dwell on that at this point, but uh, it does. There's a little bit of a nostalgic thing and a, and a romantic thing I think to those midweek summer. Uh, sun's coming down, lights are going on, kind of games. Pretty cool. So I hope you get I hope you get there before all of the talent is.
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> they've got a lot of guys who are um in high A also who might make it to double A soon. Um Grayson Rodriguez just got promoted. Um so now they've got deal mm-hmm. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez with Adley Regiment behind the plate. Um they are like a pretty good double A team right now. Um I would think so, yeah. Notably the Norfolk Tides, who are the Orioles triple A team, are not good um Uh, yeah yeah that's what happens when you're trying to develop talent (laughs) rather than just like keeping it sitting and ready to go um yeah there's been
1: a big shift though over the last I don't even know 10-15 years I remember like I said when I was going to those Paw Sox games a lot of the talent lived at AAA and now it almost feels like AAA is the holding tank and AA is the development uh, for a lot yeah of that
2: does seem like it's kind of a thing because i'm like once you know a guy's actually good you know you still have that like we can screw around with the contract move of like oh he still hasn't seen triple a yet even if triple a is just a lot of guys that are uh, kind yeah, of yeah 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 must work yeah. on defense or, you know or a lot of pitchers you're kind of like pitching for their yeah i'm still healthy and viable despite being i guess 34 is not even old but you know you know what i mean right yeah 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 right 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 um yeah like
1: i said a holding yeah. tank kind of so um yeah anyway Um, We are going to talk about closers on this episode, so I think it's probably best if we jump in. Um, And I, I can't start a closers episode without talking about Mariano Rivera. It kills me as a Red Sox fan to talk about a Yankee with admiration, but how can you not? Uh, so my question for you, for our bell ringer, is how in the world was Mariano Rivera so dominant with basically
2: one pitch that the entire stadium knew was coming and they still couldn't hit it? So um, I want to just note um, that Mariano Rivera uh, debuted in uh, the 1995 season, um, which is technically Man. after I was born and. Um, in that I was born in 1995, but, but just yeah. technically <laughs> February. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, uh, I I cannot say that I was really all that like watching of many of his uh, most sure. important endings. Um, but I love it when you make me feel old, Alexander. It's uh it's fantastic because I was 15 when he made his hey. debut. So there you go, a little fast math for all y'all. I think i can really appreciate a handful of things about him though um first and foremost i really love cutters um as a pitch Mm -hmm. i really really like cutters um i often joke that sliders are just like cutter change-ups um (laughs) which is like not (laughs) fully but it's like somewhat true um and i really love that as a pitch the thing is like really it's a it's not quite a slider in terms of movement profile but it's like you know they're cousins And if you had to pick one pitch to be the only one you threw, it's probably the one I would pick. Um, There are a couple of relievers who get by by throwing, like, exclusively a slider. And they have a fastball that they will throw faster than that. Uh, I think, though, that if you're going to be, like, an idealized version, um, a cutter makes a whole lot of sense because um, it's really hard to hit. Um, It can Mm -hmm. be thrown very hard. Uh, so you get kind of like the movement profile that's kind of usual because like not a whole lot of guys are like straight cutter guys. Uh Kenley Jansen uh actually is like a modern reliever who's pretty close, but like not quite right, obviously. He has like secondaries that he incorporates in as well. But um, you know, people don't get used to seeing it. It's fast, so timing it compared to other relievers isn't like exactly easy. Um, you no, know, it's just got like, a bunch of really good things going for it. Uh he was also just really good at like location. Um so like that's Part yeah. of it. You know, he's a guy who walked um for his career two batters per iron Um that's a career yeah. um walk rate, uh let me go ahead and pull that of five point six percent. That's definitely below the average. I mean lower than the MLB average, like that's above yeah, average yeah. in terms of skill. Um but he was only like a right, career twenty three percent strikeout rate guy. Um the whole goal was to frustrate you into hitting it into the ground. Um Right? oh and sure the, right
1: breaking the bat yeah and exactly
2: and, it, and that's the sort of thing where you like yeah. if you can get your location you can be a little bit deceptive you can stick around for a while and i think that's definitely it was um you know there are some other pods i like to listen to who like to jokingly refer to the entire league's um like spate of like relievers is just all jose Alvarados who just throw a hundred miles an hour right down the middle of the plate and hope <laughs> for the best and uh, you can definitely see how a guy who was not that um in many of the best ways stuck around for a while so um yeah people should throw more cutters uh yeah. sliders should be referred to as cutter change ups once in a while um <laughs> I should be kidding <laughs> like i always am and um yeah you know i did never rooted for the yankees a single day of my life um i never had an allegiance necessarily as a kid growing up in dallas but there was no part of me that just wanted to root for the yankees because it felt good to be a winner because uh, um the thing is um all the yankees fan kids in my grade were really annoying so you know i learned early mm,
1: yeah it was a social oh, yeah. thing oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i mean uh, rivera i think um you know obviously a generational talent uh, and maybe using him as as like the uh the example for anything is a little silly but definitely couldn't start a closer episode and not at least kind of mention him and, and acknowledge his unbelievable dominance. I I do wonder a little bit if he were to debut this year and wasn't throwing a hundred, you know, would he, would he be given the same opportunities? I mean, you'd think so because he was so effective, but I don't know. He doesn't really fit the mold as you're talking about. We'll talk about some
2: guys later on today, for sure that, are in some ways modeled after him and that like they wanted to pitch like him probably we can only assume right yeah why wouldn't you
1: right if you're a kid coming up that's who you who you're gonna emulate if you're gonna be a closer absolutely i
2: i do think that uh we're you're gonna notice what category they fall into um i'm not gonna say who they are Mm -hmm. just yet but uh um let's say that um i think that his mold is Something that people should want, and it is not an easy one to fit into. Uh, but even just an approximation of in some way, um, is something that is worth chasing. And uh,
1: it's an easy maybe it's just so hard to be effective that way that if you can throw a hundred, you might as well just, yeah, do that. yeah. I, I th- don't know. Th- I it's, think it's that's interesting sort of thing
2: where it's like, you know, if you can throw a hundred, you're gonna make it in the bigs. Uh, you may not still be in the bigs when you're not throwing a hundred, <laughs> um, yeah. and uh.
1: When your UCL finally exactly, cries uncle, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: And but like you know, isn't that the goal though for a lot of people? It, they want to play professional baseball. Yeah, um, right.
1: Sure. Yeah, they get to wear the uni and and uh, you know get out yeah. on the field. So that's true. That's fair. It's a fair point. Um. All right. Let's move into our number of the week, and this is interesting, and I think it bridges the gap between what we talked talked about in our last episode and what we're going to be talking about in this episode, because I'm going to bring up some. ERA and ERA estimator numbers. Um, I want to tell you the number is 2.05, and I found this to be really interesting, and I'm just going to let you kind of wax poetic a little bit about what this means or doesn't mean or which elements you like and which you don't and I kind of re-explain the, the construct of some of these, these um, stats just as kind of a refresher uh, but also a segue into what it is that we're going to be talking about today. So Liam Hendricks... ERA, XERA, and XFIP are all exactly the same at 2.05, exactly the same as of the recording of this episode, uh, Tuesday night, 8.33 Eastern, daylight savings time. Uh, all exactly the same. So what does that mean? And how does that factor into what he's doing on the field?
2: Matt, you're clearly cherry picking by leaving out his other estimators. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> there was one that didn't match. Um, yeah.
2: You have me wanting to pull this up. So I probably will. And, 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 yeah. But obviously the fact that you have, you know, like the stars aligning in this sort of way is meaningful in one particular way. Um, it means that they agree um and it that makes it yeah. more and more <laughs> unlikely that they um are lying right um basically sure. if you want to answer the question has liam liam hendrix been good um the answer looks like yes liam hendrix has been good yeah, right um, i don't think that's shocking analysis to anyone um i do like right. these tools for different <laughs> reasons so you brought up xfip um i don't like that one uh i think we talked about this very right. very um lightly and i had someone like comment and like asked us if we were mean enough to xfip um so yes yes thank you max for that um but yeah the reason why xfip (laughs) i'm gonna kind of like trash this first before i kind of like get into the other ones that i'm gonna like more and talk more about today is like especially for relievers where like the samples are gonna be really small you want to pick out the things that are absolutely the best at telling you about the future um while also giving you an accurate picture of the past xfip is not as good as its competitors at telling you about the future while also not being very good at telling you about the past um you know basically <laughs> you just take Yeah, super so useful we started last week with fip which is basically like how good is your era if the only things we know are home runs strikeouts and uh walks um and it's really good at right. being accurate about how good you have been uh, and then correcting for kind of like some of the noise that's why we like FIP as a how good has this guy been, and then we can kind of tinker with it based on home park, et cetera, et cetera. XFIP takes that same idea, substitutes home runs for fly balls, assumes constant home run to fly ball rate, which is wrong, because <laughs> some people get right. um, just absolutely hammered harder than others, and some people give up fly balls on purpose, right? If you're not giving up fly balls on purpose, then right, you're going right. to have a low um, fly ball rate, but you probably also you do give them up, things might be bad. Whereas if you're giving up a lot of pop-ups or kind of like it's technically a fly ball, but it's only about th- 250 feet pretty frequently, um, that will mean that your FIP probably looks a little bit worse. So you know, different guys can be trying to do different, different things and part means something there. So basically, I just take XFIP, shake its hand, wish it well, um, and it's nice to know though in this case <laughs> though, that it happens to be aligning with both ERA and um, XERA, which is by and large a pretty good descriptive stat i don't actually know as much as i wish i did about how predictive it is but you know it's based off of Statcast, like xWoba, woba basically turns that into a number um that tells us how good an yeah, era would yep. be um i kind of like it as an idea where it, it does its job as xWoba, woba like trying to estimate woba first and then basically just rescale it so it, it's not like perfect because it's not trying to be perfect in this application but right. basically it's our best run at like here's what the stat cast said this guy should be um and then we also looked at a couple other things. Uh, Sierra, uh, we looked at in a little right. bit more detail. I like Sierra a lot of uh, as like the thing that's semi complicated in terms of the numbers. Um, if you hated the quadratic equation in 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 like algebra two, <laughs> I'm just going to say that like um, that is uh, really simple compared to Sierra, which is kind of impossibly esoteric on purpose um, because it's really good at telling us about the future as non statcast it's not old like come on this thing is like still kind of like young enough that like it might want to have like a transformer theme transformers themed birthday party like sierra is not that old or anything right um
1: (laughs) i like the context there that's that's um
2: but still it's it's a stat that tries to like do more mathematically which makes it a little bit harder to kind of like convince people of um but it's pretty good about predictability and basically i like to say if you're gonna try to make a new eri estimator and your goal is to predict the future you have to like to clear the bar for me to care you gotta be better, be better than sierra um like if you mm. can't clear that then the idea you're starting with probably isn't strong enough and you need to change things
1: and why why if you're not as good as something that already exists yeah well the community doesn't really need it It's not right? just that, but
2: maybe it's like you've got something and like you just haven't like built it properly but like the the, the logic is good right um i would say like okay, sierra sure. is my like your logic being good has to at least get you over this hump um and then maybe if you have like some weird denominators and stuff like you could have a little more fuzz around the edges but yeah so to get back to the qu- question here that i think you asked um is liam hendrix good yes um but i would care more yeah. about the fact that his <laughs> x is good compared to other things um see his
1: i just thought it was fascinating that they were all the exact same number i don't know if that well, happens normally or if sure it's because not. something else we're going to talk about here in a second is that relievers uh, have much smaller sample sample sizes um, compared to starters, and so maybe it's just a factor of, of that. I don't know, but I as a non um, numbers guy, if somebody doesn't look at numbers and read them like a book. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that all of those agreed with each other, uh, not even like closely, like exactly. Um, I thought I don't know for the present record,
2: his two six two FIP as of our recording still good um let me pull that sierra uh yeah
1: did you hear that library of congress
2: that's for the permanent uh, yeah, record sierra uh 152 yeah so um i would say uh, liam Hendricks probably still gonna be good tomorrow um is my best guess yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
1: I, don't, I mean again i wasn't bringing it up to say like oh oh, i'm worried about him i just thought it was absolutely fascinating that those numbers were all exact especially after what we talked about last week and how we get to those numbers in different mm-hmm. ways for them to be exactly the same. I thought was, Oh
2: yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm just messing with you. Cause it's fun.
1: Of course. Yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't you? Um, all right, let's, let's get to our central question for this particular episode, which is, we're going to boil it down basically to this, which closers can I count on? And how do I know? Um, not necessarily the easiest question to answer with uh, with certainty, obviously. Closers are, are difficult to nail down every single year in terms of who am I going to draft, who's going to have the job, who's going to keep the job. Uh, even the role itself has evolved and changed so much, even over the last 5, 10 years in baseball. Um, so it's, it's hard to nail down, but we're going to try. And by we, I mean you. Uh, so I'm going to start with this question. This question, why would relievers... Just to start, uh, not necessarily closers, but relievers in general. Uh, what challenges
2: do they present that we don't have when we're trying to analyze and evaluate starting pitchers? So, one of the things about being a reliever uh, is that you often get there. Uh, I mean, maybe it, maybe it's just pure salmon, but often, like if you're a two-pitch guy, you end up in the bullpen, right? Uh, which means that, yeah. like uh, night to night, you're gonna have some more volatility. A lot of these guys do. You're going to have it. You're going to not. I remember watching uh, Emmanuel Clase just not have it on the night of the Wade, Miley, no hitter and turn mm-hmm. a, uh, a nil-nil ninth inning ball game into a three run. Uh, like, we know how this is going to end. And thank God it's not going to extra situation. <laughs> and he's been good this year. But, you know, he just had a night where it, he throws really sure. hard. Uh, and that's another part of it is like a lot of the more erratic guys end up there. And then we combine that with much smaller samples so the possibility that things just might not click once in a while um just Mm -hmm. widen the error bars and then give us less time um so typically if we're talking about like how long it (laughs) takes to like start to trust pitcher stuff like um we're about to creep up on like 60 games here uh within next two days Uh, so like end of this week or so this weekend um we're gonna be able to get a just a flood of think pieces and stuff about like you know the 60 green season this season compared to last right i'll be part of it um
1: (laughs) i love how you say it with disgust and then just jump in with both feet (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh this is gross and i'm gonna be part of it yeah of course (laughs) um oh no no
2: it's gonna be just so much content i'm actually interested to see where everyone busts out um but we're also gonna see some stuff sure yeah we say that though like 60 innings was about enough time last year for us to start to believe games. whether or not a starting pitcher was good or not. Like,
1: when we talk about, like, some of... The, we're, talking, were games or innings? I just oh, want to clarify. Uh,
2: in terms of the, the, the number of innings that starters were throwing last year. Like,
1: we could... Okay, so 60, no, no, not, 60
2: not 60 innings. Like, um, 60 games worth of innings, whatever that is for like a starting pitcher. Which uh, Okay, I
1: think all right. So just we're just going to make this very crystal clear same, since we both bounced back and forth, right? It's like 60 games worth of Yeah. For
2: starters, though, that turned out to be about 60. was the thing. Yeah, right? You know, yeah, like well, yeah. We're talking about 50, yeah. to 60. We're...
1: You go every fifth day, you pitch about yeah, five yeah, innings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we have it. Um, yeah exactly. Like
2: m- most starting pitchers are pitching somewhere between 150 and 180 innings and in 162 games. Wow, that worked. Uh, yeah, right, right, it. right. Um, but yeah, like we got like, you know, around 10 starts or so from a lot of guys. And it was about if they pitched the whole year and they were like the same guy the whole year, then we could start to believe it. Remember, like we weren't sure at the end of last year if Corbin Burns was legit or not. Uh <laughs> yeah. Turns yeah. out yes. So yeah. think about that. That number of innings, roughly 60 or so, is how many we would get from a reliever in a full season. We were getting like right. 15 to 22ish innings from a lot of relievers last year. We are sitting yeah. somewhere in that range still for a lot of guys. I not mean, even
1: if you add last season to the first 60 games of this season, you're still not at a an actual full
2: baseball yeah. season. Liam Hendricks in the past two seasons combined through tonight through rate right the second has uh pitched 47.1 innings um yeah now there are some reasons to trust in who he is um and we have seen a lot of kind of like the uh the sausage getting made uh through codify's twitter account actually because they love to show off how good a job they did for their boy
0: it yeah. is just <laughs> night and day
2: um just, just want to note here like just because it's so so ridiculous uh in 2018 and basically every year the year before that you know Liam hendrix had a um a k minus bb rate that topped out at about 20 which is really good by the way but you know he was hitting 11 percent difference in uh 2018 he was a guy who's like fip or xfip or whatever else kind of like would wobble between like and there were some seasons with like high fives there were some seasons in the threes and twos but he wasn't like truly who he is today yeah. um He's been like a two ERA or better guy for three seasons running now. We can kind of believe in that at this point, right? But it's taken a while. Um, there are still people heading into this draft season who are like, yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll suck all the, all of a sudden. There are some people last year when they're drafting who are like, yeah, it's one year and he sucked for a while. We <laughs> have so many roadblocks to knowing whether or not we should care about whether a guy is good. And then there's just like the dumb Roto stuff about like, is a guy going to be a closer and is he's going to be good at closing and he's going to get opportunities and all of that, just really frustrating stuff. Um, like I'm talking, yeah. it's, it's either frustrating by design and you like the randomness or it's just frustrating and you hate it. Um, and I think that, um, hopefully we get to actually talk about that a little bit more towards the end, but I just want to say either way, sure. um, if you're playing in a Roto league, um, there's just a lot of reasons why, um, evaluating all this stuff is so difficult alex fast has written plenty about how like we draft closers really poorly and we're really bad at evaluating value um i yeah tend to draft in the way that he prescribes even if i sometimes disagree with all of the methodology not or like probably or like mm-hmm. like not all of it probably. if i deal with, disagree with some of the methodology about how you'd measure that right you know right. because like at the end of the day like we can make a couple exceptions for a handful of guys right like was there a closer that you really wanted to target in gra- drafts this year
1: uh no because i hate <laughs> okay. i hate it <laughs> so i'm in that camp I, I i really like i i actually wound up with a bunch of um really good closers in places and maybe it's just because overall people are kind of fed up and they fell you mean like Um, high value
2: like high adp guys but you still got them put yeah yeah yeah
1: like like the the haters you know i got hater in a couple of places um jansen you know the going into drafts there was like maybe five guys that you could feel confident were going to have the role and probably keep it all year so it was pretty slim pickings. I think a lot of people like, went away from it, which is why I wound up with them. But normally, I don't target closers. I just take what I can get and try and be really active on um, waivers.
2: Yeah, I was um, really into the way that Oakland had been managing their bullpen even before Hendricks' breakout, and I was just so mm-hmm. excited, and I cannot even remember the name of the dude who I was spending, like, pick 125 on who was supposed to be Oakland's closer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's a little bit embarrassing, but I'm just going to walk straight past it uh, because I think that's where yeah, we're at. Well, that's the thing with closers.
1: And I think that's it, it underscores the difficulty and the challenge. And yeah, sure. Some people might like that because it's random and, and it, it gives them a chance to separate from the pack if they happen to be right. But I hate it because it's, it, it just gives me stress when I'm trying to construct my team. How much do I want to invest in this spot? And if I completely ignore it, that's not great either. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's part of the part of the deal. I get it. Uh, I'm not angry with it. I just I I, I am. Uh, it's not my favorite element. I don't like that
2: that for steals either. I, I don't like steals for the exact same reason. Cool. So with all in mind, um, we are still in a league. Are together, and we are in many leagues separately. We have to care yes. about them. And I also will say, um, as a non- fantasy entity, I am super fascinated in. Um, relievers uh i really like baseball players who exist in the extremes right like the dudes who are league average in a lot of ways tend to be really disinteresting to me even if they're like fascinating people i like the dudes who are like doing something that's way out there right it's like there's a reason we like uh williams asudillo um there's a reason why i like joey gallo uh those are very opposite people in terms of approach right we end up sure. with a lot of that when we look at relievers' arsenals and their stats and everything else. Like there are no days; it's just a joy, right?
1: Yeah, I'm actually pretty fascinated. This was an idea. I'm going to give credit here to Kyle Brown, one of our pitcherless colleagues. Does uh, the on the farm uh pod hosts that does a great job, uh, and he posed a question that totally fascinated me in terms of like a new stat that would better capture relievers and a, a larger swath of relievers so that we weren't so reliant on the save for some of you that might sound awesome. And for some of you that might sound awful, but it really intrigues me. And and how can we have, I think he posed it as kind of like a, a quality outing or a quality appearance or something that's kind of like a, a, a corresponding stat to a quality
2: start. And I, 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 I if we could come up with something so, like that personally, I would think, okay, it was super so cool. I'm going to make us feel really bad now. So I um, think, I don't know if it was literally Nate Silver, but there is a 538 piece from a while ago. It's about Goose Gossage and basically about the goose egg. Yeah, yep, the yeah. goose egg. And I think that's yep. kind of
1: like in line here, right? Um, it's similar. I don't think it's perfect, but it's definitely yeah. capturing the, the essence of what I'm getting at. I, and I love the thought process behind it um, because it, there's a lot of value in, in relievers that aren't closers in real baseball. <laughs> there's a reason they roster so many of them um and and we're completely missing that and over in my opinion over um closers and saves and all of that and it's just i, I don't know i'd love to see something else emerge but yeah I digress. so let's go
2: over them some more now um we've got a couple of different <laughs> buckets here right that we want to look at um yes. the first one that i was really really psyched about um were the guys who we didn't expect to be super good um but have actually been really valuable this year because i want to talk about the people who are excited yeah. first um and there's a guy that you had actually kind of just brought up before we got started and i i think i'm immediately gravitated to this guy a lot whenever i'm writing up my uh bullpen depth charts uh article that i write every week yep. uh and that's uh um
0: Craig yeah, that's Kimbrough. Kimbrough.
2: <laughs> my brain that's just great um just and like a lot okay. of matters against totally him year, that's
1: actually. That's why we have show notes. Yes,
2: Sorry. I'm like, my my (laughs) ability to read actually went away.
1: Um. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's why they're there for me to back you up. (laughs) That was not me making fun of you. That was because I know that my brain uh, does the same thing. Yeah. I think he's fascinating because he's been both like the best closer in baseball and somebody that you could easily have cut at varying points of his closer career. And I would love your take on, uh, what it is that he's doing now that he wasn't doing um, before.
2: So, I, I also like him as kind of like a little bit of a case study, um, but I want to say just like, as it will go for like pretty much every guy we're going to talk about today, everything is so erratic that there are, the cases do not apply to each other so frequently. That That's kind of like going to be the gist. I want to make sure I just drop that down and then just point at that yeah. blob of goo frequently for the rest of the day. So uh, Kimbrel has had some funky things happen like remember that thing where he kind of just like didn't sign with a team showed up to the cubs camp in the (laughs) middle of the year and then wasn't good and then kind of wasn't good again last year yeah i think that it's really easy to imagine that that would maybe screw with your ability to be a professional baseball player um so i do think that that's like a not insignificant part of the reason why he hasn't always been super good um i think velocity has also been a thing for him, and that's actually one of the things that we can kind of point to for everyone in the closer business is that more than anywhere else you know if you're relying more on stuff than on raw command your just tiny differences in how good your stuff is will really greatly impact how accurate you're going to be so
1: well your margin for error is way way less too
2: so if we look at like his average pitch velocity um, by year right um, 2017 he was throwing, you know, somewhere above, like, 98 miles an hour for his average fastball, right? Um, 2018, I think he was still kind of, like, pretty good in 2018, but, like, not fully himself. It did down, down to 97. 2019, that was that he didn't get the everything started early enough year. 96. Last year, and also this year, he's been back up to 97. So, you know, you can also think, like, as a pitcher kind of ages, um, if you can kind of, like, stick at, a, like, a velocity level and not kind of, like have issues with am i actually throwing it as hard as i want to i have to imagine there's just going to be a little bit more of like i know who i am and i can just locate that better um so sure. i just want to say that's part of it for sure um we've also seen him like kind of as things have ticked from that really rough 2019 he's been throwing fewer fastballs he's just been throwing more curveballs um he's gone like pretty much fully foreseen curveball like he was a guy who would throw an occasional sinker for a minute but he's just completely scrapped that and you know at this point he's throwing like 40 percent, like 42 4- ish percent curveballs i think that's where he's at right now yeah 41 ish mm-hmm. um
1: yeah that wasn't his bread and butter right. when he was originally yeah eating. you know he
2: was more of like a you know like 27 28 percent like a uh, curveball guy so like you see a guy who's aging going more to secondaries but his fastball's also just been more reliable that's like the analysis, that's not really analysis for a closer, but you might think like how many different guys out there <laughs> who have had different blips on the radar where a pitch just hasn't been itself Um, or like, you know, whether that's fastball or, you know, maybe just a secondary kind of like slips in it a little bit because, you know, you stop gripping it the same way or whatever it is. And for Kimbrel, it's just like things got normal and the, like talented guy figured out how to pitch well in those circumstances. Yeah, um,
1: You wonder too, or at least I do. I don't know if you do. Um, when you bounce start bouncing around teams, I, I feel like certain coaches feel like they have to put their stamp on oh. you, no matter who you are, right? Um. And a little tweak here, a little arm angle there, a little mechanical blip here and there for somebody who is again making their money in the ninth where um there's less margin for error and mistakes are are amplified by a lot and then that can get inside your head right i i, I do wonder if bouncing around team to team and, and somebody getting a hold of him and saying no i want you to do it this way and that just didn't work has anything to do with it i mean maybe maybe craig will will uh, come on the pod and let us yeah. know but yeah i um, hope so in the absence of that i can only i can only it's only conjecture obviously but uh, i do wonder how much of that tinkering kind of gets in the way of, of some of this yeah. stuff too
2: now I, i'm going to be like super self-aware here um I do think that there's definitely this like cultural thing among dudes who care about sports, and this occurs just as much for athletes as I'm sure it is for very non-athletes. Or you know, I I can think you can <laughs> occasionally slot some coaches into that role, where like the most interesting thing that you can be is a person with an opinion who someone hasn't heard before, right? So this is why you end up with dudes who will yeah. really r- loudly say things like you know. um, tom brady sucks or you know like uh, clayton (laughs) kershaw was never that good right um and i think that like um one you will probably hear some of those takes about Kimbrell and they're wrong but also you have to wonder like how many coaches out there just really think that they know way more than everybody else and are willing to kind of just like tinker around like this in some ways that aren't always perfect that's kind of the argument then for like the more data informed thing is like the dude can have that personality, right. but actually just have something to back it up rather than be like, no, you yeah. should be throwing a yep. stiff wrist football slider or something stupid like that. Because
1: um. <laughs> it's new and I made it
2: up and I need to make. Yeah, it exactly. So yeah. I, yeah. I'm not saying that's it. No, to kind of like say, like, here's the other half of things here. We have Kimbrell. He's on 20 innings. Right. But one of the things about pitchers is that once the year gets started, you know who a guy is what his velocity looks like, who he's trying to be, things actually settle in rather quickly. So it's like last year's results versus the same number of results this year. Those This year results are something that we can trust with a whole lot more certainty, even though they're still not great. As long as you're mostly looking at the more predictive strikeout and walk-driven stuff, and then just kind of like keeping an eye on the more contact-focused stuff, and by any account yep. you're going to look at, you know, Kimbrel has been really good this year. He's got... Yeah. I'm going to say this out loud, and I'm not going to believe it. A 42.4 percent strikeout rate, which is his best since 2017, when he struck out 49.6 percent of batters with the bus <laughs> were, were you alive when that happened? Do you remember this? Uh, I was. Yeah. Was the 2017 yes. season good for the Red Sox? Wait, that was that was the Astros' <laughs> yeah. year, right?
1: It was, yeah, it was. I the think it was the Astros. They were pretty year. good. Year, right? I don't know. Couple of baseball guys not well, knowing baseball.
2: Anyways, <laughs> anyways, yeah, I just want to say, like, just really ridiculous is actually what I want to get back to here. But like he's getting back yeah, to right. being like that. Like his thirty-two point nine percent K minus BB right now. Um, like he obviously achieved that in twenty seventeen, but he's only topped that mark twice in his career. So, like, by that mark, this is like on he's showing like the third best by year version of himself. Um now yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not necessarily going to sustain. But, you know, his home run per nine right now, which is not a perfect stat, but it's kind of indicative, is one of the lowest of his career. Is it going to sustain? Probably not. But, hey, the ball's been dejuiced. So I just want to say, like, all of the going forward stuff looks really good for him. So he's a guy who has been good. He's made some changes we can believe in. All the narrative is there. The stats back up a sustainable version of success. And he's not just, like, succeeding strictly because you know he's gotten the ball to hit to hit hard into a uh, right fielder's glove. So I want to say yeah right 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 there right, right, is right, right. like the full picture of the sort of stuff that we would hope to do for for a closer right and you know kind of the last piece of the puzzle is like have the cubs been good enough yeah mostly um yeah. their division yeah. is not good they have a winning record the only thing they really don't have is a true ace um i guess um yep
1: well, that's where you get into the difference between somebody who's really good and what kind of save opportunities are they yep. even going to have, right? And and that's something that's way beyond that pitcher's control. Exactly. Um, talk a little bit about Mark Melanson, maybe like the shorter version uh, before we get into the, the opposite side of this particular coin. Um, what's up with um, him?
2: He's been exceptionally lucky in terms of opportunities, but the Padres are also really good. I want to say just a couple other weird things. So the Padres offense hasn't been like stu- stupid outstanding all of the time, but they have a really good deep like pitching staff, right? They've tripped, they've had a pretty good bullpen even though everyone's been hurt all year. So you may think like how are they winning their games? They're not always, though they are frequently. But they they're, they're not always winning like 11 to 4 or something like that, right? So that version of being good also tends to lend itself to a few more what you would call save opportunities even if some of them have been two or three run opportunities like saves. But they're yeah, letting him yeah, pitch yeah. frequently. They're frequently getting opportunities. Um, he's been the only guy. Is he gonna get this many chances going forward? I'd say that there's a little bit of like luck, but he's also in like the ideal of all ideal circumstances. Uh so I just want to say, like, that's the first thing. That's how you get to 17 saves um through uh the not even sixty, like fifty-five games. Like the dude's yeah, yeah, right. just been really, really lucky in that regard. Um He's also been, by pretty much every measure, the Mariano reversion of or Rivera version of good. Who is Mark Melanson? He's a command cutter guy whose cutter command looks good right now. Um,
1: wow, I can't believe you just used Mark Melanson and Mariano Rivera in the, the same sentence. Guy. Non-ironically, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: but you can see how someone who's trying to be that <laughs> has a really good year where things right have, as a mold, as yeah, a model. yeah, yeah. I, I, let's see if he can do it for twenty more years, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah right exactly. I'm <laughs> Twenty years. I don't even know how old he'd be don't, at that don't
2: point. Don't make but... me answer that question. Um, <laughs> yeah no, he's been really really exceptional at inducing weak contact. He's been um for a guy who like also tends to kind of like limit locks and all. That's, gets a actually a fair number of strikeouts. It's not like an exceptional, but for a guy who gets like mid twenty strikeouts, um his like fifty percent or so of balls being like weakly hit. Like I'm talking like hard hit rate on Statcast, but like let's take it under 95 out of PA's. He's gonna like half of his batters faced are turning their opportunity into just like a ground out or not necessarily a ground out, but you know mm. what I mean, right? Like a weak hit ball right, in right, play, yeah. um, and that's really good. He's doing like the combination of strikeouts and weeks it really it's, high. Yeah, if it's time.
1: a repeatable skill rather than just yeah. dumb luck, that's then that's the yeah exactly.
2: Pin, right? And he's he's shown that a little bit before. His pitch mix would tell us that he needs to be doing that correctly, right? If you're throwing yeah. the hit them into the ground weekly pitches, that's happening. So, yeah, um, I would say like, is he going to be the greatest closer of all time? No, but um, I would <laughs> no. say I'm, I'm not like looking to trade high immediately on him because he's probably still going to be one of the five best fantasy closers in baseball for the rest of the year by virtue of playing for the San Diego Padres and pitching reasonably well. Uh, yeah, and having those yeah, opportunities, exactly. right?
1: Right, That makes sense. All right, let's go to the other side of the coin and the some of the guys who we thought were going to be amazing and have not. Let's start with uh, um, Will Smith. I think that's a great place to start with that. That, uh, yin to the yang, or yeah. It's to funny the how yin. they've
2: been kind of like stuck together and then they get separated a little bit. And the, the <laughs> guy who I don't think most of us would have like bet being the more valuable one has been more valuable. And here we have uh, Will Smith, the baseball reliever version, um, being I, I okay, so he got dropped in this 10 league, uh, or 10 team league that I'm in, um, which kind of confused me actually because it's like <laughs> he's always in my write ups, he's getting a lot of strikeouts, and I realized he had like out of five games he'd given up an earned run in like three of them and you know people just rage drop right yeah like, um if you play sure. daily it's way easier to do that than a weekly where you're like oh yeah you know he always gives up like an earned run or two a week and you're like mm, but he's still got some saves and stuff right um but he got dropped in this league and um, i was an idiot and i didn't pick him up um in time uh <laughs> i can't remember i think this is one of those where like it was just waiver priority and i didn't try to use my waiver priority on him it got cute and he got picked yeah up. yeah um yeah. he was carrying like a, a mid fours era that point um he did not deserve to have a mid-force era at that point all of the strikeout and walk sort of numbers looked really good for will smith at that point i know because after i didn't pick him up i went and checked because again (laughs) i make great choices so i want to like yeah you wanted to instantly yeah. so i want to pull out a couple just things that are funny for him right so he's at this point Couple more appearances. It just takes so little time. He's down to a, a 405 ERA. Um, and he's got a let's just cite a bunch of numbers and interpret them after the fact. A 309 X ERA, <laughs> a 242 um FIP. He's got a 366 X FIP, whatever, but that's still lower than his current ERA. Um yep. you see where this is going. He's got a 308 Sierra. He's doing a lot of things really well. Um, you know. His str- walk rate's been a little bit higher than in, you know, the past couple of years, but his, his strikeout rate's back up like, above thirty percent, and on and on and on. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he's basically pitching like a guy who should be good. His estimators show that he should have been good, and a couple of balls have. Uh, I think it's really just kind of like a matter of like he's had some blowups, right? Uh, rather than being consistently yeah. a guy who just gives up solo shots, he's had like a couple of days where things have just gone sour or some funky things have happened on some weekly hit balls. And that'll give you, yeah. for a couple days at a time, an ERA in the mid-fours and make you feel bad.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, if it all happens in one game, it as a closer, it doesn't really matter all that much. It gives you an ugly ERA number, but if you take that game out, and the next ten have been great. It's an inflated ERA number, um, and that's that's where averages are problematic, especially when you're talking about a stat like a save. Where if he was terrible last week, it's a blown save. But ever since he's been able to get the you know finish the game, it, I guess you this goes back to our original question: is how do we mm-hmm. know, right? How can we count on? How do we know these are are numbers that are indicative of Will Smith by the end of the season, probably being uh, a really reliable reliever uh somebody who hopefully starts to pick up more saves and get more opportunities but yeah the, the other the other side of that it's coin the, right? how do we know the, the
2: other side of the coin is just like can we account on atlanta to like get their stuff together and win some baseball games um well yeah. it's
1: important you can't save a loss so yeah, yeah. And, and he's
2: <laughs> no i i was at actually one of his more like dominant and like all right let's go home now um saves it's just on the road um <laughs> uh, of course uh you in dc yeah and um you know he's been like that most of the time when he's pitched it's just once in a while some flicky stuff happens he's got to note here a uh, 67.8 um left point or left on base rate, which is the lowest yeah, since 2016 for him um so, obviously, you know, when like a third of the people you allow in base end up scoring, that's gonna maybe inflate your ERA a little bit. Um, now like- sure. But is that sustainable –
1: sustainable is the wrong word. But is that – what's the most likely outcome, that it stays or that it's being influenced by a fluke? Yeah, Yeah, right.
2: So, like, I will say, though, if you want to, like – if you were trying to look back on his past couple years, there's been some really funny things that have happened just by virtue of, like, small samples. So he pitched 16 innings last year. He had a 100% left on base (laughs) rate.
1: (laughs) <laughs> that's probably gonna yeah regress. exactly
2: mm-hmm. so yeah he sold a, a four five era last year uh because he had a lot of balls leave the yard um he had a 3.94 home run per yard nine last year <laughs> so it's just like things yeah. regress and that doesn't always mean good things and it doesn't always mean bad things so uh, yeah will smith is i right, think just right, like right, a, right. a really good example i think for me of like we can make bad decisions as managers whenever we don't just actually remember to do these things instead are just like in the app for like Yahoo or ESPN or whatever. You make all your decision just by sorting by some category because you got to find you guys because you're sitting there bored and want to make a drop because some dude seems like he's (laughs) not good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Or you're frustrated because you're losing games that you don't feel like you should lose or losing weeks, I should say, that you don't feel like you should be losing and I got to make some sort of, of, I I feel helpless, I got to do something. Uh, I get that. I feel that way a lot, but um, you know, sometimes the what's the better part of valor? Uh, <laughs> making sure that you're not doing something dumb. Um, I don't think that's exactly how the saying goes, but I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, let's talk about some of these platoon situations um, because that can be really, really frustrating, and, and to know which person to invest in so uh we've got cincy tampa oakland here on on the the show notes on the rundown and i'm gonna let you pick where you
2: want to go first cincy i want to spend the most time on but i want to just kind of like give a like a quick note on oakland um and they've been kind of just like going back and forth and just letting both of their co-closers like have a week at a time almost um i think that Deacon's (laughs) better um and i think that a lot of people kind of kind of reflected that he's been pretty good past couple years he's kind of old and has a different approach but like um they're pretty good about letting good people pitch in important situations and somehow they're also like not terrible um i think that oakland will probably have a few (laughs) it's like oakland oakland's tagline (laughs) oakland athletics not terrible yeah yeah, they're (laughs) they're respectable enough i mean they they were leading the division by like several games at one point with like a negative run differential um it's kind of funny um i think that the thing there though is like that's a very different situation than elsewhere. And I wanted to bring it up kind of like as a this ain't normal sort of situation. Um, and it, like, yeah, It seems like they were just kind of like trading off a little bit. I don't know if that sticks forever, but it was kind of just like a funny note. Uh, and it's just kind of like the sort of frustrating. Where you're like, all right, um, if you benched uh in one week and he had got like three saves Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you could start in the next week uh yeah yeah Uh, so i just want to say like sometimes people do funny things um and they sort themselves out for the most part um and i don't want to treat that like i want to treat the other places where injury and dude not being good have kind of been the reality um let's start with cincy um did you have amir garrett on any teams going into this year
1: I didn't good for you. but um I fit, thi- <laughs> I well I yeah. not because I wasn't willing to take him. I think other people just beat me to Probably him, me, quite honestly. Some he had a lot of helium going in. Um and I think it was reasonable. I don't think it was, you know, misplaced, but it obviously hasn't been. Yeah, I think out.
2: that's kind of like he's an example of a guy who is really gonna get highlighted by some of my processes for who I like to go after and who might tell me will be mm-hmm. good going forward. Um so Cincinnati has kind of like a closer and then a fireman, but sometimes, so TJ Antone's like looks maybe like he's almost Josh Hader right now. Um, I don't, mm, I don't yeah, right, say that right. lightly. Um, TJ Antone is first among all relievers in uh, CSW per PA, which I promise, I promise, sometime soon you're gonna get five thousand words on me on why <laughs> that is the stat that we should care about.
1: We're gonna get fast on the pod here to talk oh, about right. it before you write
2: the uh, write the piece. <laughs> I've been waiting until I had sixty games of data this year so I could like do all my fun things with it. Yeah. We're gonna get that here in a few days and then I'm gonna write this piece. But like long story short, for all the numbers I've already run for it, basically if you wanna like be able to estimate someone's strikeouts and stuff like that, which is what CSW is trying to do, um, for the most part, like that's why it's good at estimating ERA, is because it correlates to strikeouts faster. Per PA evaluations look like they're better. Anyways, he's the best reliever in the league by that by a margin not metric um Mm. if you want to know who's been good about that in past years um guys like devin williams have shown up pretty well basically (laughs) if you want to take a list of who's been good in terms of starting pitchers relievers it's just going to give you the best guys at the top in terms of like dominant strikeout throwing arms um and yeah tj anton is right there um lucas sims is also up there yeah Um, i should also note he's the current real closer there um Mm -hmm. lucas sims does not have pretty numbers necessarily though um and if you go dig in what's happened well they both kind of pitch half the time in great american launch pad um yeah, and that's it's yeah. just going to kind of permanently make things a little bit messy um but i started out this because who was really good in this almost all of last year and finished the finished the year like top 25 among all relievers amir garrett um and what happened well he wasn't himself he didn't have the same command some things were are bit off I, he's also a guy who i think gives it all emotionally every time he pitches. So I think that like maybe there are some days where that um reflects itself in terms of just like having it and being willing to just absolutely go for a humiliation strikeout in some bad ways. But it also might mean that like you don't have it and you're frustrated and trying to go for the humiliation strikeout to get yourself back on the track. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. A little tin cup. Moment. Yeah.
2: So I I'm cheering for Amir Garrett to be <clears throat> clear. I love watching him pitch because it makes me excited. Um, to see what's gonna happen next. Um, and also I just think that like, um, we should be willing to kind of embrace some people who are like, he's not a heel, but like he's got some like heelish qualities. Him. Yeah. yeah, he right? does. It's cool. Yep. It's fun. Um,
1: it's yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't give you it like does, the does not help the, my um,
2: eras by the way. My <laughs> the,
1: no, no, it definitely doesn't. Who am I thinking of? He's not a uh, uh, Puig. You know, somebody like that. It's it takes it too far. But so he's got a little bit of yeah. that in him but it's almost like respectable like a like a it, it it's interesting because you can you can appreciate how
2: much well, he yeah cares. it's like on field passion and like i think the disrespect is like a really good thing sometimes in sports where it's like a, it's like as a fuel and as like a you know like i want to embarrass you i want to humiliate you i want to beat you really badly <laughs> i think that feels great sports moments i don't think that he's got any of like those sort of like <laughs> off the field heel qualities that make someone like genuinely unlikable. right it's so like it's like kind of get into some weird like non-baseball things about him i want him sure, to succeed that's okay my process is csw stuff uh really said this guy's got it they're gonna give him a chance so after they shipped off uh Rysel iglesias to um anaheim is that technically where it is i i have the sneaking suspicion this, that anaheim is secretly like a front for some other town that they're in so that the los angeles angels of anaheim of <laughs> somewhere else anyways orange county they
1: don't need to work a third name into it <laughs>
2: anyways so he's often um in, in anaheim and um here they are with this kind of a mess of a bullpen I want to say, yeah. if you're trying to figure out whether or not they're worth owning at all or whether they're good, it's always going to come back to those how good are their strikeout and walk numbers, because that's the only thing we can ever really trust. Uh, and CSW yeah, is kind of the case for that, point. right? Yep. It's kind of like that supposed to be yep. the bleeding edge of strikeout stuff. And, um, you know, um, TJ Antone, if you're in like a holds league or like a points league, go get him (laughs) like he just looks so yeah I've had him
1: I he's a a big part of my strategy even in in leagues with saves is to just get those high ratio high leverage guys that may slide into the role but even while they're not they're getting you strikeouts there might they might be pitching two innings at an outing so they might be getting you a little bit more than another reliever would so I do have him in, in several places um, and I, you know, I, you mentioned something and I'm going to push us here into our pass fail segment because we've had to skip it. And I'd still, I, I don't think we're going to make it to our off the books again, which is the park factors tool that you so badly yeah, want to talk I about. I think and we, we will can get probably to spend it.
2: just a tiny bit on this past fail Cause we already talked about it. So just bleed us into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what I want to hear from you is, and I just put this out there like, uh, pass fail holds. Yeah. Do, do you I, like this? I'm fine stat? with that.
2: I think that holds are a great counterbalance because the, the thing about them is um, they still happen less than saves do for like the really, really elite saves right. guys. So it kind of just distorts things where talent for strikeouts and ratios matters more because the bottom end is a little bit better, right? The 30 yeah. 40th best reliever in terms of like a save and hold league um, mm-hmm. is better than the 30th, 40th best reliever in just a save league, right? In terms of, like, the number of right. saves and holds you can get from them. And that means that more of the value that we actively care about ends up being ratios and strikeouts. And that's, I think, where you want to land. Now, are they perfect? No. Are they silly? Yeah, they kind of are. But it's a sort of silly that we can kind of all just kind of, like, shake hands, take a deep breath, and... um I mean, Victor Gonzalez has been really good in Holds this year, and it's really funny because he's kind of just like yeah. Um And I roster him in a league, and it makes me yeah. laugh in a fun way. It's it's weird, sure. I think I'm good with it.
1: <laughs> the thing I wish about Holds, and I will say I'm giving him a pass too, I, I like it. I, I'm in a, a league that moved to saves plus Holds. I really do prefer it. Um, maybe part of it is because I, I hate having to draft for saves so much that it gives me a little bit of an out, but those people who still go for saves tend to still win that category. Yep. Um, more opportunity week. week. So it, it's, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, the one thing that drives me nuts is that if you're going to call a hold, I don't think your team should have to have the lead. I think if you come into a tie game and, uh, don't give anything up that that should also be a hold. Um, but alas, uh, they don't I care actually agree I with you there. Yeah. But I think, I think it's it would it's unfair to say that you come into a high lever situation where the team just doesn't happen to be ahead and it's not a hold. Um, all right, well then we've carved out some space, Alex. And I don't want to shortchange it, which is why I was kind of saying we'll push it. But if you want to talk a little bit about this tool. So this would be off the book. So this is a total segue away from our closer conversation. Um, but the the Park Factors tool. Talk a little bit about it. What it, its uh, function and purpose is. Wh- what's going on with that and why you. Uh, I'm I, I'm assuming like yeah it.
2: yeah. So basically, it's an attempt to solve um, with a little more sophistication and a little bit more um, like liveness to it. Uh, the same problem that uh, Dan Richards uh, set out to solve a while ago whenever he was trying to figure out, like, which parks have been best at turning barrels into home runs or non-barrels into home runs. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Fass kind of looked at that as well. Um, and basically Tom Tango and the, the team at, like, Savant were like, hey, let's actually just do this. Um, so what it will tell you is yeah. that, um, like, you know, we're typically looking at park factors in terms of like how many runs they allow, which is kind of be imperfect because there's like multiple different ways you can get there. And the really fun thing about this tool is it'll tell you basically like on an adjusted, like a, if a hundred is average and like one twenty is a lot more and eighty is like it's like one twenty would be like hundred and twenty percent of league average. Really easy. So if you go look at this yep. page and you can actually break them out park by park, and there's a whole bunch of other features, but what we'll do is it'll tell you if a, if a park is giving up more home runs than league average. Um if a park then separately gives up more singles or doubles than league average hits overall. Okay. They'll even talk to you about talk about like strikeouts and walks. Um, you can see some really interesting things into up in general. So basically it just breaks out all of the different ways that a park can influence offense. Um, and it's really interesting that the trends that emerge are really obvious when you see them and really fun. So the parks that have a ton of lawn mm-hmm. essentially give up a ton of singles <laughs> and doubles. The parks that are like smaller or that play at really hot temperatures especially you see this like uh yes, camden yeah that makes ton sense. of home runs the parks where you know like if the way that it suppresses runs is by like having a really thick atmosphere you might have both fewer singles and doubles and home runs you see that a little bit for san francisco um you know mm. the kind of like it's got a huge lawn and it's really hot so the ball still leaves or like the, the air is really thin so the ball still leaves like course is like up there for everything but you can right. just kind of like start to see like how are these parks similar how are they different you can see the narratives and how they affect each other and it's really interesting the only thing it lacks is directionality um, and that's one of the things that Dan Richards piece had done really mm. well is it broke yeah. out lefty versus righty stuff which is just I think so essential yeah that is yeah. pretty big um, and, I, and I think that could be incorporated uh, in the future um, so I'm not leaving that out, but I just want to say they, they got all the data. They did a really good job of cleaning it up and displaying it in some really, really cool ways. And I plan on citing it um, whenever we want to talk about, you know, like guys who end up getting traded later on this year, inevitably, um, because it's yeah, just a really, okay. really good yeah, tool yeah, for yeah. that. It'll tell you exactly what you can kind of expect in terms of like the broad stuff. I think especially for pitchers, um, we can kind of get a feel for it. Like if, if a guy is like a flyball pitcher and he's moving from, <laughs> you
1: know. Yeah, right, right. So we did a Park Factors episode and this is a tool that has emerged since we did that mm-hmm, episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of like yeah, so, almost um, a response, new. if you will.
2: Not quite. Not <laughs> like I remember that one. <laughs>
1: Yeah. That would be amazing. Uh, we heard that episode that Matt and Alex did and now we have to come out with this tool. Um, so go check that out. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take just a moment here to encourage, uh, those of you who are are with us still to send us some emails and send us some questions on Twitter. We'd love to be able to do kind of a mailbag and and go back over some things that we've talked about in the past and, uh, see how things that we've said before have panned out. Uh, so please do uh, send, send us those comments, those questions. Um, that's gonna bring us to the end of this episode. Um uh anything else you wanna add here, Alex, before we uh we sign um, off? Um
2: I think the only thing that I really truly wanna add, um, is that it's been really, really fun to see who like 60 games in has been doing really well. And just like as we're starting mm-hmm. to like really get a feel for like we can believe it, the number of guys who have been just doing really well this year and it's been fun to track has been really high. And I wanna say like as we're um one 2020 season worth of baseball done or so. It's been a good <laughs> short season so far, and I've enjoyed it. Yeah,
1: it it has. It's not been uh, exactly as we expected, um, and, and it's been different. But that does make it engaging. Makes it frustrating sometimes, but it does make it engaging yeah. for sure. Uh,
2: we're here, like, ready to debate here in the future, like uh, Shohei Otani and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. For, for like AL MVP. That's. I realize that part yeah. of that is that Mike Trout isn't playing baseball right now. But part of it is that they've been really yeah, good. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um,
1: they've been really good. Yeah. I, I would. I actually want to hear the 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 uh, arguments for Shohei Otani winning MVP and Cy Young, Young independently. Young that, but... Independently, that would be fantastic if we can get there. Not because he's been such a dominant pitcher, he deserves both, but because as a hitter, he deserves the MVP, and as a pitcher, he deserves the Cy yeah, Young. That would be a, that 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 would be a, be a fantastic. Kind of I hope season.
2: we can get ourselves there.
1: <laughs> all right well thank you so much at home for joining us for listening alex thanks for being a part of this one as always and if you could go ahead and let the people at home know where they could find us well they can
2: find you on twitter at the corked Mat. i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly you can find our podcast on twitter at dugout study hall where you can send us some questions please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me.
1: All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.